I have a cousin who's an ophthalmologist um, and not even an optometrist, but I want to check your eyesight this morning, if that's okay. And I've got something in my hand, and I'm just wondering whether you can tell me what you see in my hand. A pear. Okay. What about this hand? Uh, yeah, an apple. All right. Now, I'm going to hold this up again and tell me what, what do you see in my hand? Now, I don't, don't want pear again because you were right there for the first time. But what, what else do you see? Fruits. Somebody says fruits. And that would be correct. And uh, that would be both hands would be, be fruit. What, what else do you see? Uh, green. Some of you see color. And then you would see, uh, I guess, red and, and yellow uh, here. What else do you see in my hand? A stem, yes, both have stems, that's true. Food, hey, we're going to get some of that at lunchtime, just wait a little longer. What else do you see? Creation, yes, made by God. Nourishment, which is food okay well there's also shape this is more like a and this is probably more like a well it's pear shape and and round round shape but you know I'm a little disappointed none of you are seeing like Jesus And if you don't know what I mean, I would invite you to come to Mark chapter 4. Mark the fourth chapter. Mark chapter 4, and we'll be spending most of our time here in Mark chapter 4. And uh, I'm going to read verse 8 and then verse 20. Mark 8 and then verse 20. Sorry, verse 8. So Mark chapter 4, verse 8 and then verse 20. And it says this, Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted and grew and produced a crop that was thirty 60, even a hundred times as much as had been planted. And then verse 20. And the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much as has been planted. I want to suggest to you that if Jesus was here in the flesh... And I asked him, what does he see in my hand? He would say an apple and a pear orchard. Do you see it?
can you see it? Because one seed. Now, I had a pair this morning and uh, was probably a cousin to this one. And there was, yeah, probably five, six seeds. I've had uh, apples like this many times and usually there's, what, eight to ten? All you need is one seed to germinate. And you have, in one tree, 30, 60, or a hundred times as much. And see, the interesting thing is that you and I, when we look at things, we see the obvious. And that is really good. But when Jesus sees, he sees the potential. And as he looks at the congregation here at Avondale Memorial this morning, and he sees each one of us, he sees what we are capable of. He sees what we could be. He sees more than what is, more than just the obvious. He sees what can happen if we allow him to work. So are you and I seeing like Jesus? Because I kind of look at myself at times and go, does he really know me? Does he really see all of the challenges and issues? And he does. You see, Jesus here was in, on a boat uh, on the shore of the, the Sea of Galilee. And he was there and he was speaking to people. But there's so many people coming around him, he, he hopped on the boat so he wouldn't be crowded out and just went a little way out to shore so he could actually tell the people the teachings that he wanted to tell them. And this is the first of, of them. And so d- just to remind ourselves, I'll read quickly verses 3 to, to 9. Listen, Jesus said, a farmer went out to plant some seed and as he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The r- seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so that they produced no grain. But still other seed fell on the fertile soil and they sprouted and grew and produced a crop that was 30, 60 or even 100 times as much as had been planted. And he said to them, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Jesus wasn't teaching the people how to be better farmers. All of them were either fishermen or farmers in some some capacity. And if not, they knew what it took. 
Jesus was talking about disciple-making disciples. Talked about what could happen if people followed him. I want to suggest to you that I hold in my hand life-giving power. Would you agree? You know, it's amazing. I can't explain it, and I have had no biologist really explain it. Just say that it, it happens, that the seeds have life-giving power in them. And I want to suggest to you that I hold in my hand life-giving power. Because it was possibly Peter's boat that Jesus was sitting in. And when Peter reflects on Jesus, as he does in his first letter, um, First Peter, he says, We are born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable seed, through the living, powerful, enduring Word of God. Life-giving power here? Yes. However, they may be hybrids. They may be deformed. Maybe there isn't any life here. There may be some issues with it. But with this seed, there is nothing wrong. Enduring, living, powerful. And what Jesus says, when it comes into a person's life, there's the opportunity for it to become 30, 60, or 100 times more. Now, I don't know what your heading, what does the heading of your Bible say, and, and, and what would you call this parable? Well, let, let me hear some of the, the headings. The sower, okay? Anybody got anything different? Farmer scattering the seed. That's pretty much what I've got. Anyone else? No? Well, I want to suggest to you that if I was editing the Bible, and not that you edit the words, yeah, don't get me wrong there, but the headings are not inspired. But if I was editing it, I would call this parable the parable of the soils. Why? Because it's the soil that makes the difference. Because when the the seed goes onto the path, there's no harvest. When the seed goes into the rocky soil, it may sprout and grow, but it withers and dies and there's no harvest. And when the seed goes into to the places where there is lots of uh, other seed and weeds, there is no harvest. There is only a harvest when the seed goes into good soil. Now, Jesus, again, is stating the obvious. But what's the implications? 
Well, for me, it's what is the soil of my heart like? And I think that that was what he was was challenging the people there as they sat and listened to him. Is my heart stony? Is my heart like rock? Is my heart full of all the cares of this world? That even though the power of the word of God is there and available, it's not doing anything. And for me, that's a challenge. What is the soil of my heart rock? Because although there is powerful, life-giving power here, without good soil, nothing changes. Nothing. The good news is that the prophet Ezekiel, many years before Jesus came to this earth, said, that if your heart is like stone, the Spirit of God can make it into a heart of flesh. He can change our hearts. And I believe that is what God is calling us to. To change our hearts. Because then we become the potential that God sees. The 30, the 60, the 100 times. But let me ask you a question. How, how would a person go about seeing the potential realised in these two pieces of fruit? What, what, what would we have to do to see the pear and the orchard plantation, uh, the apple orchard? What would we have to do? Plant. Well, if, if I was to plant the, the seeds here, would they grow? No? No, I don't, I don't think they would grow, grow, grow either. So what would be the process? What would we need to do do first to, to see what these could become. Prepare the soil. Who, who, who said prepare the soil? Someone up here. I think it was a lady's voice. Can you put your hand, hand up? Oh, it was up in the balcony. Well, I, I need somebody to, someone down here. Um, I did hear Pastor Smith say it, prepare the soil. So can you just, just come up and help me? And you don't have to do anything else than just come up over, over here and you can stand right here and uh, you can show us how you prepare the soil because I know you, you're a bit of a gardener with your wife. Yeah, so show us how you would do that. I think, he, I think he's got it. And, and so 
This is what the parable is all about. And it, 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 it's interesting that it doesn't talk about the preparation of the soil, but the soil is the key with the seed. And don't think for any minute that the farmer wanted to just throw the, the seed on the path. It was his livelihood. It was, it was life and death to him. If he didn't get a crop for the, this next year, he and his family would starve. But as things happen, the wind comes and takes it away and all of those um, issues are real. But the farmer first prepares the soil. Then somebody said, what was the next thing to see the potential of these? What, what, what do we have to do? Plant the seed. I heard Pastor Ray Coombe say it really clearly and I'm going to ask him to come out and show us how to plant the seed. And uh, yeah, no, I do need you. You, you, can, you can sit right, you can take up a chair and you can sit right there. And then, uh, and um, and you show us how you would plant some seed, please. Well, he would probably do it that way. I think he knows what he's doing, doesn't he? All right, so you can you can take a seat seat there. So for us to see the potential, the first thing we'd have to do. No, no, I want you separated can't have two retired pastors too close together uh, you never know what they'd get up to <laughs> so we've got we've got to plant sorry no what do we do prepare the soil is that right yes then we plant the seed yes then what would we need to do water okay what else would we need to do Fertilize, I hear. Anything else? Maybe, yeah, pull the weeds out. Now, when we lived in Suva, I had a little garden out the back of our house. Do you know what? I never watered it once. <laughs> because if it doesn't rain in five days in Suva, you've got a drought. But let me tell you, I did a lot of weeding. A lot of weeding. And so... You, you don't just water and fertilizer, but you also weed, and it's all about caring for the plant. And I'm wondering if this lady here, would you come up, please? Yes, you. And I'm going to get you to come and sit over here. You can't see? That's all right. We're all about seeing like Jesus. So you can sit sit right there and show us how you would water some plants. I don't do that. You don't, that's all right. You can have a watering can yep. or you can use a hose. I, all of that would be, would be good. She said watering can on, and, and hose. So for us to see the orchards that, that are here as a potential, we have to prepare the soil, right? Yes? Then... Plant the seed, and then we've got to kind of cultivate the plant. 
You're okay with that? Can you all say cultivate the plant? All right, some of you said cultivate the plant. That's all right. What happens next? You wait. The interesting thing is, in, in chapter 4, if you actually look down at verses 26 and 20 to 29, it says, all by itself, the seed grows. That's the power, the power of the Word. And we've got to be involved in, in sharing the Word. But it would suggest that we need to do some soil preparation perhaps first. And when the plant grows, we need to do a little bit of caring and nurturing and all of that. One of the, the, the challenges that Pastor Lionel Smith, not this one, but our division secretary this last week reminded us is that as a world church we see well i'll do it visually i'm going to ask 10 people to stand one two three four five six seven eight nine ten can you all stand please and two two in the next row yep doesn't matter which two and I think that's 10. Is that right? 2, 4, 6, 8, 10. So if we baptise 10 people as a church, we get excited, don't we? Yes? Yeah, it's good, isn't it? God is doing some great thing. Statistics that the secretaries look after say that in the whole of the world church after a few years there is only that many left I want you to tell me who do you want to leave the church can you pick some of these people to to leave yeah you don't want to do it well that's a good thing but let me tell you around you all the time and statistics don't lie, half leave. So if you won't do it, I will. <laughs> All right? You're gone. Yep, at the back. And, um, yes. You happy about that? It's reality. In some parts of our division, it's seven that leave. In the Australian Union, it's only four. So we'll ask one person to stand up. And it's happening because... the cultivating, the caring, the nurturing part of discipleship is not our priority. Because if it was, we would lose some, because even Jesus lost Judas. 
but not so many. Thank you. You can, can all, all sit, sit down. So when the seed grows and we care for it and not cultivate and all of, all of those, those good things, what happens next? This man said, harvest. Come and sit up here and show me how you had harvest uh, before you sit, how you had harvest apples and pears. I think he knows what he's doing, don't you? You can, you can have, have a seat. You know, that is the Bible talks about the harvest as being the great celebration. When there's food... Ah, please, at the front. Where, where I had you, there's a reason for it. You'll find out later. And we make sure that health and safety is okay. Um, because you can eat... You can sell, you can give away, you've got a future, you've got a harvest. And it's a wonderful time, isn't it? But do we have an orchard yet? No, we don't. And I saw this lady here with the the hat on who said no. So, um, can't come up? Well, the one next to you. And I'm going to get you to just um, sit just on this side. Okay. Because if you want to see the orchard, you've got to do it all over again. Isn't that right? And again... And again, and again. Now this is the model that we've been challenged as a South Pacific division to to follow. And it's not about becoming better gardeners or farmers, but it's actually becoming better disciple-making disciples. Because that's what Jesus said can happen in any seed. Wherever the seed of the Word of God goes, if the soil's well prepared, if the heart is ready and it is sown All by itself it can grow. But if we nurture and care for it and cultivate it and then harvest it, ultimately we can see the multiplication happen. I'm going to ask your head elder to come up because, uh, uh, Richard, can you do, do that? because I think I can get away with what I'm going to do with Richard, seeing he and I work together in Western Australia and uh, are both keen cyclists. Now, this is, is obviously all, all fiction, but, um, well, not all fiction, but mainly fiction. So R- Richard and I worked together, and we did. 
uh, for, for a good number of years. But um, I'm a dedicated follower of Jesus and I'm doing my best to live for him as a disciple. But Richard, who I work with, is an absolute thoroughgoing pagan atheist far from God. All right, I told you this is fiction, please. (laughs) Jackie's laughing. Um, And so as we we work uh, together, there's some lunch times that we actually spend some time together and and as we're kind of, um, you know, having eating lunch together, um, he starts telling me about himself and his life and, and all of that and, and I listen and I reciprocate and we kind of, you know, and I, I discover that, you know, he's got a few issues with um, some relationships in his life and he's terrible with money and just can't, can't you know, deal with his finances as always in a mess and he's always asking me for five bucks and then it's 50 and, um, and occasionally, you know, I, I help him um, help him out. And I listen, and after a while he says, you know, you're not a bad guy. And I say, oh, thanks. Um, and, and then he tells me some of the, you know, the real, real issues. As we kind of just have lunch every so often at, at, at work and we see each other and just chat and, and whatever, and, and as he's telling me his, his really burden of his of his heart, I say to him, you know, Richard, I'm going to pray for you for that. And he says, oh, I don't believe in, in God or prayer. I said, you don't have to. I do. And, and I'm going to pray for you. Oh, oh, I guess I can't do anything about that. And I said, no, you can't. And so I start praying for Richard and for the specific issues in his life. Well, eventually, about a five, six weeks later, he says, you've been praying for me, haven't you? And I said, yeah, I told you I would. Yeah, yeah, but, but you've really been praying for me. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, you know, stuff is happening in my life that, that, that is really good and, and, and I can't explain it. And, and I go, oh, well, maybe God's hearing my prayer. And he's going, oh, wow, this is, this is a bit weird and a bit spooky. But as we, we connect, I invite him over and uh, to my place and uh, he meets some of my friends and my other friends are thorough Seventh-day Adventist Christians. And he says, oh, they're not bad people that we met at your place the other, other day. And I said, yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're all right. And, and you see, I don't know whether you're picking this up, but we're doing something aren't we? We are preparing the soil of his heart. Because as an atheist and a pagan, it was stony hard, as Jesus says in the parable. But our role is to work with Jesus and prepare the soil. And as uh, that happens, I say, come over to our our place. And he says, yeah, look, yeah, I'm actually believing that God answers prayer. And I said, well, we actually study about prayer and pray together. And he says, yeah, I know those people. 
And so he comes over and he shares in a small group where we read the Bible together. And he says, oh, this is a bit different. I said, yeah, that's all right. And as the Bible is read, the word of God, the seed, the enduring, imperishable seed is coming into a heart that is prepared. And all by itself, something starts to happen in, in Richard. And he says, wow, this, this is meaning something to me. And, and we notice it and the rest of the small group notice it. And so we start really showing continual care and nurture and teaching him the things of Scripture as he asks for it and as he finds it of value. And all by itself, God does his work through the Spirit and the Word and God's people. And he, we invite him to church. And he comes and he sees a baptism and he says, what's that? We say, that's when people commit to Jesus. He says, I think I'm ready for that. And so we have a harvest. We do Bible studies and he's ready. And what a joy. A new one in the kingdom of God. But then we could just leave him in the church to just sit and pay his tithes and offerings and do nothing else. But he's got family and friends and workmates that he can influence. And there's the idea of multiplying. And he has spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit has given him. And so as a church, we nurture him we train him, we develop him. He's able to tell his own personal testimony. He's able to listen to people and, and, and connect with people and do all of those things. And if we had time this, this morning, we now have two disciple-making disciples. And if I asked Richard to go out and find someone else and I went out and found somebody else, and we went through the, the, the process of prepare, sow, cultivate, harvest. We, were, we would then from two have what? Any maths people out there? Four. And then from four to, and from eight to, and 16 to, and 32 to, and 64 to, and 128 to, and 256.2, you've got it. And you see the word of God multiplies in his people who have open hearts and are able to let God work in them. Give these people a hand as they go back to their seat. You see, the mission of the Seventh-day Adventist Church is very, very clear. The General Conference at Battle Creek annual meeting in October changed the mission statement just to uh, make it a little bit more succinct. And during this week, we as a division of the General Conference adopted it. 
and why don't you read it with me? You may be the first people in the division to actually do that. One, two. Make disciples of Jesus Christ who live as his loving witnesses and proclaim to all people the everlasting gospel of the three angels' messages in preparation for his soon return. That's our purpose. And as a division, we have a vision. We started as a movement of God. And we see ourselves as a thriving Adventist movement, living our hope in Jesus and transforming the Pacific. A movement multiplies. A movement is not just an apple and a pear, but it's an apple and a pear orchard. And a disciple is someone who in every way is becoming more and more like Jesus. To conclude, I want to tell you about my friend Lefroy. Lefroy is a dentist in Apia, Samoa. And as a health professional, he heard that in the new big cultural center that the Chinese had built in downtown Apia, there was going to be some some health meetings. And he said, I'm a health professional. I want to kind of hear what's happening in health. I'll go and participate. And he did. The person leading out was Dr. Chester Coomer, the South Pacific Division, part of the discipleship ministries team, focusing on health. And Lefroy thoroughly enjoyed Chester's presentations. In fact, the research and the the scholarly work behind it made a whole lot of sense. And the practical outcomes, he said, this can help me in my work as as a dentist. And so he, he felt really good about going to those meetings. Immediately after those meetings, Pastor Jean-Noël Adeline in the same place, an evangelist from Auckland, New Zealand, originally from the Seychelles, was running a Bible series. And they invited everyone who attended the, the, the health program to come to the Bible program. And Lefroy said, I had no intention of going. But because these people had presented such good health material, I went along. And he said, the word of God just opened up. And, I, and, and he said, I had been a, a, a Christian, because most people in Samoa are, are Christians, but I didn't know what it taught. And it began to make sense to me. And it began to be truth to me. And it changed my thinking and my lifestyle and my habits and who I was. And Jesus was real. And, 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 And he said, wow. And at the end of the meeting, they called for commitment to baptism. And he said, I was there. And after Bible studies, I was one of the first people baptized. At the end of the baptism, the very next week, Lefroy opened up his home on a Tuesday night and he said to his family, he said to his work 
um, colleagues and his employees and he said to his patients, and I guess they can't speak back when your hand's in their mouth and the drill and all of that, um, I'm going to offer you a little bit of food on Tuesday night. Now, I don't ever trust the Samoan with little food. Um, and could you come, ar- come along? The first night, 12 people came. And he started to tell them what had happened in his life and some of the truths that he had learnt and he was sharing, them, uh, sharing it with them through, through the Bible. And they said, oh, this is interesting. And most of them came back next week, but a whole lot of others came as well. And every Tuesday night after that, he had some of his family, some of his uh, employees and some of his clients or patients come to his house on a Tuesday evening. In 12 months, Lefroy saw 12 people give their hearts to Jesus Christ and become disciples of his and a part of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I haven't seen Lefroy for a little while, but I see Pastor Kenneth Fuluesi, the Samoan president. And uh, Lefroy is now on the Samoa Tokelau Mission Executive Committee. And that was a bit of an issue because he'd only been an Adventist for two years. Um, how could he do that? Um, and I asked Kenneth, you know, how, how's he going? He says, the wisdom of the man and the evangelistic fervor and he, you know, he runs a business and all of that, the, the skills and what he gives is, is great. And I said, how's his, how's his personal evangelism going? He says, oh, he's really disappointed. Last year he only saw four people come to faith. Would you be disappointed with four? (laughs) You see, when we think about Jesus, it's about his vision, not ours. What he sees as possible. But you and I have to accept it by faith and begin seeing like Jesus the 30, the 60, the 100 times.